0: This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rava. Okay, so here's the title of our message. Watch us. It is, Faith is not meant to be a human work. When it comes to faith, mainstream teaching says to... Well, they say many things, but there's two specific things that they say, or that they teach. And firstly, it is that faith is something that is produced by us. Right? Secondly, they say that faith works on the basis of performance. Right? In other words, just to talk about an example, or an illustration, They say that we need to come up with the faith necessary to overcome something, to trust God for something. And then secondly, they say you need to work that faith in order to see results, right? And on the surface, it sounds fine. It sounds great. It sounds like it's the right thing to do. But is that what the Bible actually teaches about faith? No, It isn't. Because faith is not meant to be a human work. If I'm supposed to produce faith, who's doing it? I'm doing it. So it's a human work. And then if I'm working the faith that I think I have, that I've produced, if I'm working it, then who's doing it? I'm doing it. Then it's a human work, right? And God never designed it to be that way. I know that many religions, uh, and even in Christendom, you hear this kind of teaching that you've got to come up with the faith necessary. And I used to teach that too, you know, before my grace days, before I understood gospel truth. We would tell people, I mean, someone would come up for prayer and they would tell me a sad situation and how long they've been struggling with it and what's been going on. And what I would say to them is exactly that. You know, what are you doing to grow your faith? What are you doing to build your faith? What are you doing to produce faith? So, what I would do is, I would put them on a guilt trip, subconsciously speaking, and make them feel like they don't have enough faith. So, number one, work on having more faith. And then number two, I would say to them, make sure that you work your faith. And so, these beliefs are the result of doctrine or teaching that mixes old covenant law with new covenant grace, what we call really a form of legalism right because that's what happens because when you look at the old covenant the old covenant is about performing the old covenant is about doing things they have to fulfill the ten commandments the 603 commandments around it they have to do 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 in order to get and if they don't do they don't get and so what happens is is that people bring that into the new covenant which is meant to be a covenant of grace and it is and they try and bring works into grace, and that's where faith becomes confusing. Our goal today is to clarify what Scripture says about faith, and to see for ourselves what faith is and how it ought to operate in our lives. Is that okay? Can we do that? Now, another point we need to clarify is, is that we do not have creative faith. So, God has creative faith. Do we have creative faith? When is the last time you woke up one morning and you thought, well, you know, I've been watching all these movies that have been coming out lately about parallel universes and, you know, parallel worlds, and I've decided that I want to create my own parallel universe? And you used your faith, and boom, just like God, let let there be, and boom, there was. And all of a sudden you had your own parallel universe where everything was to your liking and perfect. Has anybody ever done that? No. Why is that? Because we do not have creative faith. God has not given us creative faith. Now there's a reason for that and it's actually a good thing and it's going to help us understand that. Because if we did, we would be able to create as God creates. Isn't that so? And God doesn't need us to do that. We don't need to do that. Imagine what our world would look like if we had creative faith. We would have some very strange things happening on the planet. Isn't that so? What is faith then? Why do we have faith? Why is there faith? Well, listen to this carefully. Faith is simply meant to receive and appropriate all we are and have in Jesus. That's the kind of faith God has given us. That's the ability faith that God has given us. It is so that we can receive and make our own what God has already provided for us in Jesus. That's the faith God has given us. Would you agree? No one forced you to receive salvation, right? Yet you did. How were you able to do that? You were able to believe. That you can be saved by the redemptive work of Jesus. Right? Well, God gave you that faith. God gave you that gift. So God gives us a faith that enables us to fully receive and appropriate what he provides for us in and through Jesus. Another way we can put that is by saying that God has matched and given us the faith we need to receive all that He has made us to be and have in Jesus. Let me give you an illustration to help us understand that. Let's just say that you decide, you know, uh, at the end of your life, you want to leave an inheritance to your children, to your family. And let's just say that somehow you were able to just amass, collect, have, or you, at, at close to the end of your life, you end up with a billion dollars net worth. And so you write your will and you leave this inheritance to your family, to your children, to your grandchildren, and whoever else you want to do that with. But now, here's what happens. You don't give them a means to access their, their portion of the inheritance. There's no bank card. There's no checkbook. There's no lawyer, there's no trust, there is no means for them to access that inheritance. So let me ask you this question: Do they inherit anything? Not really, because if they can't access it, they can't get access to it, they don't have anything, they don't have any of it. Right? And so, what do you, would you need to do so that they can enjoy that inheritance and actually have access to that inheritance? and make the most out of their inheritance. What do you need to do? You need to give them access to it. So either you get them a bank card, a checkbook, or both. You get a trust, and you get, get, give them access to that trust. You give them the code and the PIN numbers and everything else that you need, right? And you give them that. Then they have access to their inheritance. And this is what God has done. He has given us an inheritance in Jesus but he's also given us access to that inheritance. How, does he, how has he given us that, inherit, that access? Faith. Faith is the bank card. Faith is the checkbook. Faith is how he gives us access to our inheritance in Jesus. Faith is also a gift of God and not something that we produce. We could never produce enough faith to receive what he's given us in Jesus. Even that faith is given to us. Look at this in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Watch this. It says, For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. And that, or you could say, and that faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So basically, what God is saying to us here is, is that by His grace, by His unmerited favor, God saves us. But how do we receive that salvation? Through faith, right? And He says, and that faith doesn't come from you. It is the gift of God. It's not something you do, some performance or some you know, work or something. No. He says it's a gift of God. Now... Just in case you're doubting what I'm saying, because I've heard many different takes on that verse, but just in case you doubt what I say there, I want to show you something. Let me show you, you see on on the screen there, you see the word faith is in a different color. Okay, The reason for that is because I want to show you the original that this was written in the Greek. I want to show you what that word means and how it can also be translated from the original. So I'm going to show you that word now from the HELPS Word Studies lexicon, and I'm going to show you what that means and how that word is defined. Okay. Can you see it on the screen there? Okay. There it is. Faith. There's the Greek number and it's the word pistis or something like that. Okay. In the Greek. Now, look at how and what it means. Is always a gift from God. There it is. See? So faith is always a gift from God because we can never come up with it. So faith is always a gift from God, let's carry on reading, and never something that can be produced by people. Now this isn't me or my opinion. This is the Helpsworth Studies lexicon, which takes all the original language sources and puts them together and helps us understand the meaning. In short, is, for the believer, is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief or confidence, yet involving it. The Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer so they can know what he prefers, that is, the persuasion of his will. So in other words, when you consider that verse that we read, by grace are you saved through faith, Where does that faith come from? It comes from God. You see? So he gives you redemption in Jesus. He gives you a new identity and an inheritance in Jesus. And then he also gives you the ability to believe and receive it and make it your own and stay in it by just simply trusting and having confidence in what he said. Romans 12 verse 3. Watch what it says just to back that up. It says, for I say through the grace given unto me, says Paul, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according, which is, as God, so who? God. As God hath dealt or has given to every man, every person, what? The measure of faith. Now I know that some translations say a measure of faith. It's correct but often misunderstood because in English then people teach it and say see that's why you don't have as much faith as I do. Or that's why you know Billy Graham could have more faith than you have. No, you just, it's like a muscle. The more you exercise something the more it looks like you have of it. But we all have the same measure of faith, because it's the measure of faith, right? Let me show you that word measure from the Helps Word Studies lexicon again. Watch this. It's going to help you clarify that. There's the definition over there on the screen. Follow with me. It's the word metron. And here's what it says it means. A measure, the actual measure itself. Do you see that? So when, when it says that God gives to every person the measure of faith, it's not saying that He determines it per person. It's saying that He takes one specific measure and He gives it to every person who puts their trust in Him. Right? So all of us have the same measure of faith because it's the determined measure. And what is that measure? The measure to believe and receive what he's given us, right? Standard measure. I remember when I went to the army, I mean, everyone wants to have their own style expressed in what they wear. But when you go to the army, you don't have a choice. You can go and say, Sergeant, I want those low cut -cut pants and I don't want my boots to be as high. I want them to be a little lower. And can I have an extra inch on my heels because I'm a little short? And my shirt, can it have only buttons right up to here so I can show my pecs? They're going to laugh at you. When you go to the army, they just take a batch and throw it at you. They ask you what size, medium, large, or whatever, and they just throw it at you and that's it. <laughs> so you all look the same, right? Well, in a similar way, what this is saying is the same thing. When it comes to faith, God gives each of us the same measure of faith. When someone when it looks like someone has more faith, it's because they're practicing it more than we are, probably. Right? So look what it says in the second part of, of that definition. It's a standard measure, is the controlling basis by which something is determined as acceptable or unacceptable, preeminently rooting to the Lord Himself as He's been. Is the only ultimate measure of truth. Now, does faith work on the basis of our performance? We've already established that it doesn't. So let me show you that real quick. 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Watch this. It says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. What does that mean? So God has given you all things that pertain to your natural life and he's also giving you all things that pertain to your spiritual life. Isn't that the difference between the two? So whatever you need naturally, God has given it to you. Whatever you need spiritually, God has given it to you. Right? And then watch how it comes to us or how it happens through the knowledge of him. Who's that? Jesus through the knowledge of Him who has called us to glory and virtue. So what is this saying in essence? You already have your whole inheritance in Jesus. And God has given you the bank card or the checkbook to access it, which is faith. And He's given you that faith. Right? And how do you tap into that inheritance and enjoy more and more of it? By getting to know Who you are and what you have in Jesus, the knowledge of Him. Right? See, that's the difference between when it seems like someone has more faith than someone else. It's just because they are getting to know more about what they have and who they are in Jesus. That's the difference. They're just more aware of the inheritance that they have. It would be like you, for example, like I said, let's just say that one of your rich relative relatives left you ten million dollars, but they left you one million in a bank account. 5 million in another account, and then they left another 7 million in some trust, and then 1 million in gold bars in a vault somewhere. Well, you need to read your inheritance document completely in order to understand where all your inheritance is. And once you do that, you can go and access it, right? But if you just read the first paragraph and it says, Chase Bank or Bank of America, 1 million. You think, ah, that's it. They just left me a million. But you've got another 9 million spread in different places. So the more you read that carefully, the more you get to know about your inheritance, the more confidence you're going to have that you are really wealthy. And then you're going to determine the ways you can access it. Right? It's the same thing. And that's what this is saying. God has given it all to us, but we need to get to know This is why it's good that we are here. This is why it's good that we spend time in the Word of God and, and, you know, fellowship with God because we get to discover our inheritance and then we use the faith that He's given us to tap into it and receive it. Amen. Is Jesus' redemptive work all-inclusive? Yes, it is because it said all things, right? He didn't leave anything out and He didn't leave us to complete anything. He's done it all. We have our full inheritance. Amen. So the more we discover, the more we will enjoy it because then we will apply and use the gift of faith that He has given us. Look at how the Passion Translation puts that verse. It's actually pretty awesome how it paraphrases it and helps us understand it. Watch there, it's on the screen. It says everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God, watch us has already been deposited in us by His divine power. So the moment you receive salvation in Jesus, God deposits the faith you need to access what He's given you. For all this was leveraged upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him. There it is. Who has called us by His name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. So God gives us a rich new identity and inheritance in Jesus and gifted faith is how he empowers us to access it and receive it. Isn't that powerful? So we have all the faith we will ever need to access our identity and our inheritance in Jesus. Amen? So God leaves it up to us to make the most of it. Just like when you inherit something, It's up to you to decide how you're going to enjoy it, right? It's the same thing. So however much faith you need, when you need it, it's already available to you and it's already in you. So faith is not a matter of old covenant law. Did you hear what I said? That's another thing that we need to understand when it comes to faith. Faith is not a matter of old covenant law law. Let me try and give you a little illustration and ask you some questions. Let's just say you decide to relate to God by the law, the Ten Commandments, and the 603 around it. Okay? Do you need faith to do that? You don't. I mean, if I said to you, let's just say that we decided we're going to go to Africa for three months as a group. And we commit to be together. We're going to do everything together. We're going to make it work. We're going to have missions. We're going to have vacation. We're going to go on safaris, whatever. Okay, And we decide to do that. And I say to you, okay, great guys. So as the leader of the group, and as your tour guide, I'm going to lay down some basic rules. And I give you ten rules that you're not allowed to break if you're going to be part of the group and part of the strip, okay? So let's just say rule number one is you never do anything or go anywhere without letting us know. We need to know where you are to keep you safe. And so there you go, 10 rules, okay? So let me ask you a question Do you need to have faith in order to keep those 10 rules? No. <laughs> See, and this is how the old covenant law works. You don't need faith in order to relate to God by law. You just fulfill the commandments, and boom, it's done. Let's read Galatians 3, verse 11 and 12. Watch this, from the Amplified. It's going to tell us exactly that. Watch this. It says there, Now it is clear that no one is justified, that is, declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty and placed in right standing before God by the law. In other words, by the Ten Commandments and 603, or by the rules of God. Right? So, in other words, if you try and follow God's rules, that's not going to get you to have right standing before God. Right? It says, for the righteous, in other words, those who are righteous by faith, The just, the upright, shall live by faith. So how does your righteousness come? By doing the law or by simply believing God? By believing God, right? Because who of you have fulfilled the Ten Commandments, besides the 603 around it? Do you even know what the third and the fourth commandment is? So how do you know that you fulfilled it? Can you see how you don't need faith for the law, right? Then it says in verse 12, But the law does not rest on or require faith. There it is. Did you see it? It's in the Bible. No matter what translation you read it. It says the law does not require faith. Why does the law not require faith? Because you just follow the rule and it's done. You don't need faith for that. I gave you that example, right? But the law does not rest on or require faith. It has nothing to do with faith. Did you hear that? But instead, the law says, He who practices them, the the things prescribed by the law, shall live by them instead of faith. Can you see how you cannot relate to God by faith and by law-keeping? It's either one or the other. So let me give you a scenario and let's see if you understood this, okay? So let's just say that I go to a doctor and the doctor says, I'm sorry, I have bad news for you. And he tells me that I have some incurable disease. Let's just say. So, you know, I get upset and I look at the doctor and I'm dealing with all the emotions that we generally deal with. And as I walk out of his office and I get in my car, I remember that I am a believer, that I'm a Christian. And so I'm going to paint scenario one and you tell me which one's correct. Okay, So I get in the car, I sit down. Before I start the car, you know, I'm dealing with the emotion of what he just told me. And scenario A, first scenario, I say to myself, and I'm speaking to God, and I say, God. I promise you from today on I'm going to do the best I can to memorize the Ten Commandments and live up to them the best I can and i make that promise and that vow to you today as long as you heal me. That's scenario A. Scenario B is, God, I know that I can never live up to your standard because your standard is perfect. I'm imperfect. I know that. And I want to live up to those because I want to honor you and reverence you. But I know that I can never do it. So I'm going to put my hands in your grace and trust you to heal me. Outside of what I do or what I don't do. That's scenario B. Which scenario would be the one you would suggest that I follow? A or B? B, right? For scenario A, do I need faith? Will it take faith for me to follow the commandments? No. But do I need faith for scenario B? See, that's what we're talking about. And that's what this is saying. If you want to relate to God by your rule keeping, your performance, your merit, is faith going to work? No. No. Faith is going to work when you rely on God. Does that mean that you should just ignore God's rules? No, but you don't put your trust in your rule keeping. You put your trust in what God has made available to you and the faith that he's given you to access that inheritance. You see, the moment you try to include law in faith, you nullify faith. And that's where I have seen so many times and in my own life is where believers hit a dead dead end, hit a roadblock, hit a situation in their lives, and they think, you know what, if I just perform better, God's going to be impressed, He's going to see that I'm sorry, and He's going to hopefully do something for me. And is that how it's going to work? No, we nullify faith when we do that. Instead, we just need to say, Father, I know that I don't measure up. I know that I'm incapable, but I put myself in your hands as I had when I trusted you, And I believe that you can do this for me. Is that faith at work? For sure. The other one isn't. It may look like faith, but it's not faith. Because the law is not a faith, as you've just seen it. You see, living by faith ultimately is having total trust and confidence in God, right? Living by law is having total trust and confidence in self. See, law does not require faith to work. Let me show you that verse 12 from the Message Translation. It helps us understand, again, so wonderfully, because it paraphrases it so beautifully. Watch this, from the Message Translation. Rule-keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith. See, it's not my opinion. It's true. But only perpetuates, in other words, repeats itself in more and more rule-keeping. A fact observed in scripture, the one who does these things, that's rule keeping, continues to live by them. In other words, if you want to get into rule keeping, you're going to get on a hamster wheel that's going to, going to do nothing for you, and it's going to go nowhere, because it nullifies, it cancels faith, right? So the law doesn't require faith to operate, because it's a performance-driven system. Your performance under law determines your outcome. And if you have a choice between relating to God by law and relating to Him by grace, which would you choose? A or B? B, it's a no-brainer. We've already determined that, right? See, that's why God has given us faith. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.